0: ESPN you're listening to Anita marks
1: you are the owner of a major league baseball team you have put together a roster in the history of major league baseball MLB uh, the highest roster ever in the history of MLB and and, and and they're 42 and 49 and they're 18 and a half games back to the leader of the clubhouse in their division that's a really difficult pill to swallow all right when you're when you're an owner who's got endless money and you feel like you've done everything possible and you've brought in the right people to get the job done and they're not getting it done.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Uh, Talking about a friend of the show is Jordan Renan, who does a great job covering the Giants as always and so kind to join us each and every time I text him. Of course, unless he's coaching or he's on vacation. Jordan, good afternoon. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Anita. How about you? I mean, I'm I'm Um, talking to you right now. as the waves are crashing to the side of me. Okay. You know, I'm really toughing it out for you. Let me tell you.
1: So you are on You are you are you on vacation right now? And you're joining us on, from I vacation?
2: vacation. I don't call it vacation. We actually come well, you LBIs. can't be because I'll the be the Barclays news back, is is back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. So I'm only the Barclays the news day. is going to
1: break probably momentarily. Hopefully, right?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't count on that one. <laughs> All right, I so so
1: so let's right so. Yesterday, the post comes out and says the Giants offered $19.5 million guaranteed. So what, what does Jordan Renan know? What, what 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 has been on the table? What, what has Saquon, what do you know Saquon Barkley has turned down?
2: Here's what I know, right? Yeah, okay, the number they said was 19 and a half. You know, there's people who object to that. What exactly that, you know, if that's the exact number. But I'll tell you this. The magic number, and I've said this for a long time, is 22.2 million, right? You're talking about the franchise tag for this year, 10.1 plus 120%. The Giants have the option to use it again next year. That's another 12.1 million. So, total of $22.2 million. Here's what I know for absolute fact, right? The Giants have not gotten to that number yet. And that's really like the floor if you're Saquon, because you know, between insurance or like, you know, he could basically, he could play horribly this year, either, right? Horribly. Someone's going to give him five or 6 million next year, like minimum, right? Just, just take a shot on him. So like, is it really worth him to take $16 million guaranteed, $18 million guaranteed? No, the answer is no. Like when you're in this spot and you're on the franchise tag, the number to start at is the two years of the franchise tag, 22.2, and they have not gotten there, whether it's 19 and a half, whether it's 20, whatever the Giants have gone to, it's in that vicinity. I believe, and I know that, but they have not gotten to the twenty-two point two, and until they get there, that's not something that, quite frankly, Saquon or pretty much any player in this spot would consider.
1: So, so we—I I, we, I filled in for Alan Hahn the last two days, and we and Bart and I had a caller who called in who said, "We're talking about three million dollars. We're talking about three million dollars. Like, what? What's three million dollars to the Giants? But obviously, there's a cap." Yeah. So, so give, give us a, give us a player. So, what are we talking? Like, what is three million dollars to the Giants?
2: Let me say this from a team perspective. Right, we see what the running back market is. They do. They, you know, Joe Shane. If you took, if you were able to pick his brain, of full honesty, he doesn't necessarily want to build and pay a running back. Right, nobody does in the NFL. That's not how nope. you build a winning team in the league. Generally, like these this the, the day and age, it's just it just isn't. So. If I tell you that, you say, well, well, what's another $3 million? What if I tell you that they've already extended to the point where he went past of what he actually would want to pay for a running back? So now you say, okay, why not just give him the extra $3 million bridge to gap? Well, he already went past what he, want, what he wanted to and the value that they put on a running back because this new regime is really big on using analytics and algorithms to create a value on a player of what they think it is monetarily. So they already have that value. They probably already went past it. Now you want him to just add another three million on top of that? You tell me, is that good business, Anita? Is that how you end up in bad spots later on down the line?
1: No, listen, I. I this is a chick who plays fantasy football. I've got twelve. Fan, <laughs> you know this. I've got twelve fantasy I football leagues. I've been playing fantasy You're football cutthroat. since before a lot of people listening to the show were even born. I started playing fantasy football in nineteen eighty eight. Um, next man up mentality when it comes to running backs. I've seen it time and time and time and time and time and time yeah. again, each and every year, a stud running back goes down either. next man up. Yeah. It's about the offensive line. They it's about the play calling. Injured. So no, I'm a general manager. I am not playing around. I'm not. And, and you know, Bart Scott was funny on Friday. He's like, all you young kids out there listening, you playing running back right now in high yeah. school. The first thing you want to do is go to your coach and say, Switch me over, dude. I want to play linebacker. That's where yep. the money's being made because you are not I'm going to get paid in the NFL if you're playing running back.
0: Yeah, yeah, no,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And here, here's, here's the other part of it, right? If you're looking at it from the Giants' perspective, they're totally fine with having him on the franchise tag. It's a good deal for them. Wouldn't you? Isn't that the ideal world for the Giants? Yeah, you'll just play on the franchise tag. So that's their fallback option. Is that a bad fallback option? No, business-wide... it's the best fallback option now we could sit here and we can argue about whether we think Saquon would sit out and we would miss time and maybe he might for like a game or two but like it's 600 K a game Anita I have a hard time thinking Saquon's gonna sit out the season you know maybe he'll prove a point in the opener and say hey go play Sunday night football MetLife Stadium against the Dallas Cowboys do that without me let's see how good you look without me maybe it costs 600,000 or he just says Hey, I'm not there. I'm not ready physically. You know, that's that's one way to work around it. I heard Mike T say that. I thought that was an interesting suggestion this morning. Uh, That's a good way for Saquon to do it and not actually get fined for it. So, uh, you know, find that 600 k So, yeah, maybe there's a statement to be made. But in general, you know, the Giants are totally fine. I, I know this for a fact. They're totally fine with having him on the franchise tag this year.
1: Again, Jordan Manon joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, because when I say, well, the Giants hold all the cards, um, because it's not just mm-hmm. this year that they could tag him. They could tag him next year as well. Um, yeah. If, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, and, and and just to explain to our listeners out there, he doesn't play this year. It's not like this year goes away.
0: Yeah, The Giants still
1: can tag year. him for the next two seasons. Yeah. yeah.
2: But he he would make their life. Trust me. If they tag even if they just tag him this year, and he plays on the tags, He's going to make their life so miserable that it's not even worth it to have him back and tag him again next year. I'm telling you, I feel very confident about that. He will he will force his way out, and it will get to the point where they'll be like, this headache is not worth it, and he will get his way out of New York after the season. He'll play on the tag, but, but, that, but let and me. But time fine, out, time, time, time year, out, But he will force his way out, and eventually he'll get his way.
1: But but that what you're saying is not characteristic of the Saquon Barkley that fans know. You this know? is
2: a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Anita. And I agree with you. I agree with you. That's why when it comes to it and during the season, he'll suck it up and he'll play and he won't make a noise and he'll say the right things. But behind the scenes, first of all, if, if you go back and look at him, look back two years ago. He was playing poorly, remember? This is, I'm talking, the last year of Joe Judge. They were... A disaster of a team. He, he played poorly. He admitted he did not play well that season. He got banged up. He had the ankle injury at some point. And you look at the second half of that season, you saw a moping Saquon Barkley and you saw a diminished player as a result. So if you have an unhappy Saquon Barkley, which, by the way, he will be if he plays on the franchise tag this year, like the chances that you're not getting Saquon Barkley at his very best is, is legitimately there and then eventually that can uh sort of spider out throughout the locker room and it has effect like you don't want a a, a miserable player a guy who's unhappy with the organization especially somebody who has clout like Zigmund does in the locker room long term like it it'll eventually reach a point of diminishing returns
1: um <laughs> There, there's there's so much here that that I want to dive into, um, and and I'm going to circle back because I, I think Bart Scott said something really really intelligent uh, this week. He said Saquon Bark- if, if Saquon plays on on the tag at ten million dollars, um, he needs to say to the Giants organization, I'm not touching the ball three hundred times. If you're just going to pay, if if I'm going to play on this mm-hmm. franchise tag, I'll play for you. But I'm but two hundred max you're 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 not you're you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna take all the gas out of my tank i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna risk injury and and touch the ball 300 times for you on a franchise tag what happens then it's
2: all part of what we're just talking about like then you're not getting the best of saquon barkley right
1: Right, then then
2: at some point it's, it's a diminishing return type thing like when when is it not worth a few like like when is it? Wait, now you're paying ten million dollars for a guy who touches the ball two hundred times and runs for a thousand yards. Hey, Nita, how many guys? You, you talked about it before. How many guys can you find to run for a thousand yards in the NFL?
1: Several you know, off the waiver wire. Yeah,
2: it's, it's it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world if your offensive line is doing a half decent job. So and now granted, St. Quentin Park is better than ninety nine point nine percent of those guys. Uh, but yeah, it, look, we're we're going down a path where. This is my whole point to start with. These kind of things all creep in, and then it's not good for the team. It's not good for Saquon Barkley. It gets to the point where it's really just not good for anyone. That's why I said, I'll suck it up this year. As, like, you know, a team player, uh, you know, you don't want to commit to me, fine. I'll suck it up this, this year. I won't make any noise, but in return, you're not going to tag me again next year.
1: Well, that, that was another thing That's that Bart fair, and mentioned you with know, me. I think, I think me... we should
2: say one last thing. And then yep. I need to say one more thing.
1: There's yep.
2: still what? More than forty eight hours. Right? I, I do still think there is a chance for a last second deal here. Like I always thought like the Giants come back and say what one is. Is it is it is it, is it table. is it's twenty two million dollars? How does he say no?
1: Is it is it another deal? Is it another offer? Is it is it anteing up to twenty two million dollars guaranteed, or is it Saquon Barkley going Okay, I, I don't want to play on the tag. I don't want to risk it. I, I could very well injure myself next year for a running back. It is not wise to play on a tag. It really is not. So no,
2: I think it, yeah, but I think it would have to be upped because you could just he could just insure himself right for catastrophic injury for basically the difference right and make sure. Okay, let's say he tears his knee and again, you know, I'm I'm not wishing that upon anyone. Let me just say that. But no, let's just obviously. say he does. He could basically he could basically insure himself for that money and not have to worry about it, right? So why would you take it? I mean, at minimum next year, like I said, horrible, Saquon has a horrible year this year. Somebody signs him for $6 million. So, I mean, like, he's basically guaranteed $16 million between this year and next year, even if he plays at his absolute worst this year. That's my opinion. And then so And then he's insured for the rest. So unless they get to that number, it doesn't make sense for him financially to take the deal. Think about it. Right? What, what, why, would he, why would he take a deal with, you know, $19 million guaranteed at this point?
1: You know, you still have Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin yeah. Cook out there. These dudes are 27, 28 years old.
3: Uh, a <laughs> lot of people look
1: at them as a lot of people within, uh, you know, the NFL – Front offices look at them as fossils because they are twenty seven, twenty eight years old. Not sure what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs with the Raiders as well. He's pretty much in the same situation as uh, as, as Saquon Barkley. Uh, with that being said, yeah. one more thing I want to I want to toss out to you, which I think was really interesting, and, and Bart Scott brought this up again on Friday, and he said, you know, um, the running backs in the NFL need to come together and say, we, we, be, because because of the situation that's happening here and teams do not want to pay what we are worth and what we feel we are valued, we should not be tagged. The, the, the running back position should be a position that cannot be tagged in the NFL. Do you think that would ever happen?
2: Yeah, well, that's something that needs to be collectively bargained, right? So you right, start right. there. I mean, you can make the argument that with the tag, they shouldn't have the tag for anybody at this point, right? It's not really productive for any player for the most part to be tagged because if you're good enough to get tagged in the first place, that means if you hit the open market, you probably would have made a hell of a lot of money. Right. So it, I think in general, I think they need to, at the next, uh, collective bargaining, you know, the next time the CBA is up, they should look into, Oh, wait, do we really need the franchise tag and who is it beneficial to? And is it really beneficial to the players? And is it something that they want to fight But the running back position in specific? Yeah, I agree. Next time they go to the table, they need to try to find a way to protect these guys because the 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 blueprint is young guy, mid round, late round pick. Get him; he could be productive. You run him to the ground, mm-hmm. and then after their rookie deal's over, you just move on and you get the next guy. And why right. would you pay like Saquon Barkley's got this great skill set, right? But you don't even need that skill set. You can fill that skill set with two different people, with somebody who runs and is a home run hitter and running. And then on passing downs, you just sub him out, and you have a guy who can catch the ball, like the James Whites of the world, right? Stane Vereen of the world. And this is how the Patriots did it for years, right? They drafted two guys, I believe it was in the second round. Was, who was it, Vereen and Stephen Ridley? Right? It was the same exact draft. And they're like, okay, we'll use them for four years. We'll get something out of them, and then we'll just go get the next guy. And the next guy in line was James White, and they used these guys as uh, you know, part-time you know, uh, rotational pieces, and they all fit, and it's easy to fill. So, yeah, the running back position needs to definitely come up with something to protect themselves, especially in those first few years.
1: Uh, Jordan, again, thank you so much for spending time with us on this Saturday afternoon. Always appreciate it. Thank you.
2: You got it, to Have a great show. I'll speak to you next week. Is this like – you work like 20 straight days or something? I feel like I have worked you on every day this week. Something right, like that. Far, Some, I think weekend, my next day now. off
1: – I think my next day off is Thursday. I'll be golfing. So,
2: oh, okay. Yep. Pickle, right. in the,
1: pickle in the morning, golf in the afternoon. That's what's become of my life wow. on my days off.
2: That's a day. That's a day, Anita.
1: It's a day. It's a day. Get him straight. You that got it, Boo. Day. Jordan I'll Renan joining us here on ninety eight point seven ESP. And when we come back, I, w- I want to share with you uh, because a lot of us, right, in business, right, like you want to paid what you're worth. You want to be paid what you're worth. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a rundown in regard to. Um, You know who are some of the highest paid running backs in the NFL? What are they making per year, and what was their guarantee? Also, we'll come back. Brian, Brian wants to talk about why I don't like LeBron. Did I even mention guys? Did we even mention LeBron once today in the first hour and twenty minutes we've been on the show? I don't know where's this coming from. Uh, So, uh, you want to? I'll talk to you, Brian. Uh, Also, 800-919-3776. You want to chime in on the Giants and Barkley? What would you like to see happen? Uh, what, what side are you on? Like, who would you rather represent? I'd love this. Let's open up the phone lines. Giants fans, call in. Make an argument for the Giants. Call in. Make an argument for Saquon Barkley. What side are you on? Who would you want to represent? Who would you debate? If this went into arbitration, who would you arbitrate for? 800-919-3776. Need marks with you, 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Let's go to Cam in Long Island. Cam, you're up. Welcome in.
0: Hey, how you doing, Miss Anita? Uh, always listening. Glad to be online.
1: Uh, thank you. And, appreciate it.
0: Yes. Um, I'm here to talk about the New York Giants and how they historically did better by run by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it won't take a lot of time, but let's go back to the uh, first set of uh, Super Bowls. Back in 1990, you had Otis Anderson and Rodney Hampton. And then you had the bus and Tyrone Wheatley and Ron Dane and Tiki Barber. After Tiki Barber left, then you had um, Thunder and Lightning with um, Brandon, Brandon Jacobs, Jacobs.
1: And Ahmad Bradshaw.
0: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I I love um, Saquon Barkley. He's like our version of Barry Sanders. But the Giants historically were more successful running back by committee rather than uh, feature back, and that's all I have to say. Thank you for your time.
1: Yeah, you got it, Cam. I mean, it's a solid point to make. Here, here's another few reasons why uh, the running back position is 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 become so devalued. Uh, the NFL now has become a passing game. Okay, uh, here's another one for you: quarterbacks who run the football like. Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson. Get this: since 2000, since two thousand and sixteen, quarterbacks now. Let me let me go back. Two thousand sixteen, quarterbacks were rushing for touchdowns at a twelve percent rate. Today it's twenty percent, eight percent increase in quarterback rushing touchdowns since two thousand and eighteen. Okay. Uh, rarely do you have a back who carries the ball 300 yards anymore. You don't. You just don't. I, and marinate this for a minute. Jamal Williams, 17 touchdowns last year for the Detroit Lions. Who's he playing for this year? Not the Detroit Lions. Why would it, why, why would team why would an organization, 17 touchdowns, a dude contributes to an organization? And they just let him go. Uh, I said that I was going to share with you uh, the the breakup uh, of the the rundown in regard to running backs and in what their their value is. So uh, Christian McCaffrey sets the bar at sixteen million dollars, thirty five million dollars guaranteed. Now you could sit and you could say, well, Saquon Barkley is just as good as as, as C Mac. Um, and and I'll listen to that argument based on on what, what Saquon Barkley is able to do and, and what he brings to the table, I still think C-Mac does have a leg up. Keep in mind, C-Mac is the third-string quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And unfortunately, we saw that develop uh, in the postseason for them. They still lost, but nonetheless... Um, Alvin Kamara. $15 million a year, $22 million guaranteed. To me... I can understand, I could see Saquon going, you know what? I I am equivalent to an Alvin Kamara. And so that that is where I want to be. I think it's unrealistic for him to expect that he's going to get $16 million a year and $35 million guaranteed like C-Mac. I don't think anybody's going to surpass that. But an Alvin Kamara at $15 million a year at $22 guaranteed, okay. I can see where Saquon's coming from. Derek Henry. Twelve point five million a year, twenty five million guaranteed. Nick Chubb, twelve point two million a year, seventeen million dollars guaranteed. Just to give you a lay of the land and where Saquon falls in that regard. Uh, let's go to Brian in Milbourne. Uh Brian wants to talk about LeBron. I want to bring you on before we switch gears here and give everybody a, a Wimbledon preview. Welcome in, Brian.
2: Hey, how you doing, Nita? I'm an avid fan of yours. I listened to you with Bart the other day when Lebron came up. That's where it came from. I'm home. always been you no know, big fan of yours, but thank I you, Brian that's like, very
0: nice.
2: Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong with my call. It's just like sometimes I hear you and Bart be sarcastic
1: about Lebron. Lebron, he has his ways, but well, he is well, a good Bart, guy. Bart calls him Bart calls him Lebrick.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Lebrick James. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a LeBrick fan. Listen,
2: listen. You compare him to Jordan. You feel me? For me, Jordan said that Scottie is the greatest teammate he ever had. If you're saying that at your
0: face, why would you make him look like that on the dance? Even though it's true facts, it's factual what happened. Or why would you do that to him if you're supposed to be cool? I, hey, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. Know.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know, Brian. I don't know. Um and and I pre- I appreciate your compliments and I appreciate your call. I just here's a con- here here's a comment that this is what happened. The SPs happened. LeBron James gets his award for surpassing most points. Yada yada yada. Celebration, his beautiful family is up there. He's up there. He's ready to accept his SP award. And he's got to make an announcement that he's not going to retire as if we thought he was. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it, he—it's bizarre to me. He, he—he he, he threw that narrative out there because the next day he wanted the media talking about, oh no, is LeBron gonna retire? As opposed to him getting his butt whipped by the Denver Nuggets. So that was it. Was it was uh, st- strategically planned, and and brilliantly done. Because, Brian, that's what happened. All your ESPN, Fox, everybody, oh, LeBron's going to be. That was the news of the day the next morning over the Denver Nuggets sweeping the Lakers. Did you really believe it? No. This man is not going to retire. He wants to play with one of his sons, which I think it's going to be the younger son, not the older son. Just FYI. But he wants, that's, a, until LeBron graces the same court as one of his boys, with one of his boys, one of his young boys, um, he's not going to retire. So nobody believed it in the first place. Yet the nar- n- narcissist in him had to come say, oh, I just, I want to let everybody know, I, I am not retired. We didn't believe you in the first place, dude. Go home. It's just my point with Bart and Bart agreed with me is that for somebody who is just as otherworldly as LeBron James is. And, 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 you know, some people feel that he's the greatest of all time. I respect your opinion. Um, I'll put him in, I'll put him in the top five. One of the most insecure human beings on the planet. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. So, um, that's what Bart and I were, were, were discussing this week. Um, and and I, I think I think I think Bart is is has just as as big of issue, if not more, than I do, uh, which I found refreshing. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. All right, quick break, we come back. Uh we've got the Wimbledon final happening tomorrow. And Julia El Baba is going to join us uh to give us a great preview. We've got two of the best in the world. How blessed are we? Tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., hopefully you've got your strawberries and cream ready to go, uh, and we're going to get you ready to go, and who you might want to throw some coin on next, right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: As I continue to look at the horizon on the back of the Brick James head, he ain't getting no younger. When I look at that big old ball spot he got (laughs) back there, he getting older. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Julia Elbaba joins us now. Julia, we missed you on the uh, pickleball courts this morning. Studette. Anita, I had such a great time playing pickleball with you. Wow. You were such
3: a celebrity out there. It was just so fun to get out and competitive with you. <laughs>
1: No, you're so, so Julia comes out to Hoboken to play pickleball. And she, and so, and now she's telling everybody, Oh, I'm playing with Anita Marks. I don't let people know who I am out there. You know, it, it's, 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 it's interesting because now what's happened is I've been playing out there so frequently. Now, some of the, some of the dudes, some of the guys out there know. And so now in between matches, I'm 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 talking fantasy football because everybody's getting ready for their fantasy football drafts. So I probably had more fantasy football discussions out at the at the pickleball courts uh, than anything else. But uh, but anyway, um, had had a great morning out there and you are you are missed. And so hopefully you will be joining us soon yet again, uh, Julia, Julia, former professional women's tennis player. Um, and uh, and always great having you on the program to preview tennis, especially when it's a major like this one. So uh, so we have um, history in the making that happened this morning. The first unseated woman to win Wimbledon happened earlier this morning., uh, please elaborate. Yeah, it was a great match this morning. We had Marquetta von
3: who you said, of course, was unseated. So absolutely remarkable to see her you know, win the championship, play against the Tunisian Ons Jabeur, And these girls, they really battled it out. It's, just, it's so interesting to see how, you know, these two girls aren't considered the best in the game, you know, but that's kind of what the grass court tennis does. it It's not about who's best. It's about who plays grass the best because it's just such a unique surface. Like you would not really see an unseated player go so deep, in the u.s open or the australian open it's just the grass there's just so many wild cards so many variables and marquetta von she played the grass so perfectly she's a lefty she served her slices so well out wide she used her slices on her backhand the drop shots she came to the net
1: i mean she played immaculate grass court tennis this morning um she looked fantastic um and 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 obviously, when you have somebody who's like not even seated, I was I was reading up on her before we started the show today. Uh, there was more news about her tattoos than there were about her tennis game heading into uh, Wimbledon. Um, her husband stayed back at home to take care of their I guess they have a hairless cat. <laughs> so whose whose name is Frankie, which, of course, I love because my my little guy, <laughs> Frankie, is my youngest dog. Uh, I actually brought him out to the pickleball courts today. just happened to do that. Uh, but nonetheless, um, so I, I mean what 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 does what does this do for the state of women's tennis? when somebody who's un because I, I just I feel like we have you on quite frequently when we're talking about the majors. and it, it's it's always it's the same names. It's, it's, you know, the same top five or top three who have a chance of winning, especially when we talk about the majors. What, what do you feel that this will do for the state of women's tennis moving forward? Anything? Well, first, I love that you brought up the tattoos. That's hilarious. She actually said she's going to go ink, get inked up
3: with her coach tomorrow in England. So, got to love that. It, it's something special the two share. But what does it do? It brings hope. You know, on the men's side, we see the two, Alcaraz and Djokovic, the two that we expected the most to see. So on the women's side, seeing Jabour and Von Drizova, it just gives hope to the game, to the youngsters. You know, we saw Coco Goff unfortunately, lose first round. But it just shows that it's anyone's game on the women's side. And as dominant as Iga Swiatek has been, the number one player in the world, yeah i mean anyone can really take it and it just you know it'll be interesting to see at the u.s open if these two players can also thrive even when it's not the grass court
1: um and and, and i know you're going to be out there we're, we're thrilled to uh we'll have you back on the program of course previewing that as we get closer to that date as well uh but tomorrow morning as I said, I hope people went out and they got their strawberries and their cream bright and early, 9 a.m. We'll be, on the, we'll be on the radio. I'll be back on tomorrow morning starting at 8 a.m. with you until noon. So I'll be on at 9 a.m. and I'll be with you throughout uh, the championship. And of course, we have Carlos going up against the Joker. So, um, so break this down. Like, listen, uh, to me, I, you know, Car- Carlos has taken really um, uh, the, the, the tennis world by storm right? And there's just, there's a lot of people out there who don't like Djokovic. Um, and I think they're just, they're rooting for Carlos just because uh, their disdain for Djokovic. But but nonetheless, um, you know, excited for this young Spaniard, um, you know, excited for what he has done for the state of tennis, and, and I guess the question to you is, could he pull off this upset tomorrow morning? It
3: Really exciting, you know. We had a great match this morning, but I think the match most people are excited for is Novak Djokovic versus Carlos Alcaraz. The bottom line is is Alcaraz going to come in mentally more confident the last time? Is he going to come physically better? We saw him and Djokovic in the semifinals of the French Open a couple weeks ago. They each took the first two sets. They split sets. And then the third set, Alcaraz cramped up, can't continue. I don't know if you caught that one, but it was very hard to watch. He had Djokovic. Carlos Alcaraz was playing well, keeping up with the experienced Joker, but he just physically fell apart. So, how will Carlos Alcaraz come in mentally, physically is honestly the biggest thing. Can he keep up with Djokovic's talent? Yes, he can. because alcaraz is one of the most talented on the men's tour but can you keep up with djokovic who's had 35 slam finals to Alcaraz's is only two so that's a big difference djokovic is playing for massive history he's playing to be the leader of all time grand slams in open era there's a lot of history riding on this match and and you know I have to go with Djokovic. As much as I want to say as hmm. a new winner, ah uh, yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. Four sets.
1: So, so you you've got you got Djokovic in in four sets. Uh, by the way, uh, the the odds makers out there, if you think Carlos is going to pull the upset. Over Djokovic, over uh, you're looking at plus 160. Djokovic is favored by minus 195. And folks out there who maybe you don't gamble, it's okay. All good. Um, what does that mean? For every $100 down that you put down uh, on Carlos, you win $160. In order to win $100 on Djokovic, you have to put down $195. So for every $195 down you put down, you get back $100. Okay, so um, so that's pretty much that's that's what the odds makers are saying. Um, how about this? In in the in the first set, you could get Carlos at plus one and a half, at minus one forty. So do you think do you think coming coming out of the box strong? Do you think do you think uh, Djokovic is is, is going to dominate the first set?
3: i personally think that djokovic will yes start off strong i think he will win the first set just how he did in the french open but then hopefully alcaraz's nerves will settle down a bit he will get a little more comfortable now where we hope he learns from the french open is that he kind of maintains that level he doesn't you know just burn out a bit He keeps swearing Djokovic down and finds a way to hang in the set in the match and then also to physically hang in there. Because once you let Djokovic get too far ahead, the confidence and just the, the monumental moment will just be on his side.
1: So um, you could also wager that um, Alcaraz is, is going to have um, Carlos is, is going to play a total of games one. Um, over under eighteen and a half. Would you take the over or the under or that? How competitive do you think well, Carlos is going to be? I, I mean, is this, is it, Do you feel this is going to go the distance? Do you, you you think that he's gonna he's gonna push the envelope? With Djokovic? I, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I, I think we're going. I think it's going to go to four sets. I think Djokovic is going to win in four. I think it's going to be a competitive four set. We're gonna see some tiebreakers and I think it's gonna yeah, I think it's gonna go the distance.
1: So so then over eight and a eighteen and a half games won, minus one thirty for Carlos, over one hundred and twenty-one and a half total points won for Carlos is minus one twenty. So um but again, um you know, if you think uh, if you think Jokic uh, w- with Julia, you feel that he's going to win tomorrow, it's minus 195. Might be a little bit too much juice for me. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for, my heart's going to be pulling for Carlos. So um, with all due respect, and, and you know how much I, I absolutely uh, appreciate and uh, respect your opinion, and you're probably right, Just I might just throw a little coin on Carlos just to have a little rooting interest because I, he, that, that's the dude I'm going to be rooting for tomorrow morning. So... Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, as you said, there's so many people that don't like Djokovic,
3: and it's because he does come off a little bit arrogant out there. You know, despite having so much success out on tour, he still has his moments where, I don't know, people are just, like, questioning him as a person and his sportsmanship. And in his semifinal match, he was called hindrance, which means he, like, interrupted the point and he got, you know, not exactly booed, but he was disliked for it and, You know, he argued with the umpire. He kind of just has a side that a lot of people don't like. And that never happened, you know, with Federer. No one really disliked Federer or Nadal. So while Djokovic is making so much history, it's not because people adore him. It's because he's just a really good tennis player. I think Alcaraz, people actually really like him as a person. So I think more people will be cheering for Alcaraz in this match.
1: And, again, you want to throw a little coin on him at plus 130? Heck, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, before we let you go, I want to bring in Rob. We've got a caller. He wants to talk about the men's tennis final. Maybe he's got a question for you. So, guys, let's let's pipe in Rob from New Jersey. Rob, welcome on. You're on with, of course, myself, Anita Marks, and Julia Baba.
0: Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. So I, I love that you're talking a little tennis. I know it's tough to do on talk radio, but I just want to point out, you know, Djokovic, I'm actually on the opposite side of you, Anita. I love Djokovic because he is an every man's champion. He's always been the poor little brother, the poor little cousin to Federer and Nadal, and yet somehow he has outbested both of them uh, in terms of Grand Slam championships. He's the fittest guy you'll ever see at 36. His commitment is unbelievable to the game, even arguably more so than the others. He's healthier than they are at an older age. So I'm rooting for him because I'm rooting for history. And I think he's got that edge because he always has been, like I said, the little brother, the little cousin, the little engine who could compared to those two guys. And he really is already at the top of the mountain. So, but I also want to point out, you know, just for the listeners out there, you're talking about an epic, epic historical tennis match tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. And every sport, these athletes are so great at what they do. Um, and if you ever see it up close, it's unbelievable how they play tennis. And the thing about Alcaraz, it also shows the brutality of individual sports. There's probably 15 guys who are knocking on the door waiting to take over after Federer, after Nadal, uh, you know, foul out of the game. And here comes Alcaraz at 19 years old and may slam the door shut on plenty of worthy people who most Americans will never know the name of that are tremendous, tremendous athletes in their own right.
1: Uh, Rob, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. Uh, Julia. before we let you go, any, any, any thoughts on what Rob just shared with us?
3: I love how Rob is looking out for, you know, history being made tomorrow. And I agree with him. Like, we are rooting for history to be able to see such an incredible feat potentially tomorrow be hit. Like, I, I'm on his side, Rob. I agree.
1: And, and what we're talking about is, uh, is most, most majors won by any tennis player, right, in the history of, of the game.
3: Open era, yes.
1: Most yep. twenty
3: four. Even Serena's at twenty three. So he's tied with Serena. And we got Margaret Court who's at twenty four. But that was outside of the open era. So this is definitely for history in the open era.
1: Julia, again, thank you so much. Always appreciate your time, my friend. And uh, and get back to Hoboken to play some pickleball with us soon, please. Can't wait, Anita. I'll see you soon. You got it. You got it. Uh, More to come. Anita Marks with you. Uh, We'll be kicking off hour number three soon right here on 98.7 ESPN.